Like the followers of old, just over half a century ago, on a mink farm in Iowa, a bunch of people started stacking up rocks, or red bricks, bricks, as it were, and said, God will do something significant here too. And hopefully this always remains that place, something where God has done significant in your voice and has spoken to you and, and continues to speak to you. Um, this morning, we've asked five different faculty members to continue to share um, just some parting words of blessing and encouragement to you as we go on our way, our separate ways um, this summer, some of us gathering back again, others of us being sent forth. If you guys please join us. This is kind of scary. I'm Dave Mulder, and I am privileged to teach future teachers in the education department. And among other things, I have the privilege of teaching a course called Middle School Curriculum and Instruction. And I know those of you who aren't in education are thinking that's a snooze or it's your worst nightmare, right? Because you got to think of it this way. The people who choose to take this class are saying, I want to be in middle school for the rest of my life. <laughs> and if you, you remember middle school... Like, these people, like, that's, this is a class that, like, even the normal education majors don't take. This is for, like, like these are the American Ninja, War, Ninja Warrior education majors, right? Like, they're like, ah, they're, they're for it, okay? So you got to kind of take it that way, right? Teaching is not for the faint of heart under the best of circumstances. And so at the end, by the end of the, that semester, we've talked about a lot of things. And uh, I wrote this blessing that I'm going to share with you all um, as a blessing that I gave to them at the end of the course. So I, I know a few of you have heard this before. Very few. The, the chosen few, right? Uh, and it's, it's written mostly for future teachers. So recognize that. Um, when I was talking with Aaron about this, I said, you know, is that okay? I'm sharing this with this wider audience. And, and Aaron's words I thought were sage. He says, we're all going to be leaders in the kingdom, and we're all going to teach somebody something. So I hope that you'll hear these words, even though I'm speaking to the teachers. It's for all of you. And I'm going to use Romans 12 as the basis for my encouragement here. So I'll alternate. I'll read some of the text and then offer a few words of encouragement. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy... Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. You're called to be a teacher. You have the gifts to join this profession. But there will be days in which you feel that your service is sacrifice. When you're having those days, I hope and pray that you will see them as the blessing that they are. The opportunity for you to serve the Lord of your life. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Don't be afraid to go against the flow. There will be times that it will be easier to do things the way they've always been done. But if you're truly discerning God's will for your classroom and for your whole life, there will be times when it's clear that you must do things that are contrary to the culture around you. Be encouraged. You matter. You make a difference. For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. Rather, think of yourself with sober judgment, in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same functions, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts, according to the grace given each of us. If your gift is prophesying, prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, serve. If it's teaching, teach. 
If it's to encourage, give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, lead diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. While it's clear that you have the gifts and dispositions to become a teacher, remember that you probably don't have all the gifts. We're better as a team because the Lord has given us a diverse set of talents and abilities. So use your gifts for the betterment of your students, your team, your school, your community, the world. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need and practice hospitality. There will be days in which your students seem out to get you. There will be days you don't like your students, or at least you don't like their behavior. You're called to love them anyway. Honor them. And you never know what a difference you might make for a child. Always hope. Always persevere in patience and pray without ceasing. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Okay, let's be honest. You're going to be a good teacher. You'll probably be a great teacher, but don't let it get to your head. You can always, always get better. Learn from those around you. Get to know the supporting staff members in your school. The custodian, secretary, and cooks are people also called to serve, and they share in the work of serving the students. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For as it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. There will be days when your students, the sinful, broken people they are, will say horrible things and do horrible things to each other or even to you. It will be hard to keep your emotions in check. It will be hard. Remember your office, teacher. Never punish out of anger. You must step in and discipline students, but even more important, disciple them. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you'll heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil. Overcome evil with good. School can be a dark place for students even for teachers. Be light in the darkness. Remember, you matter. You make a difference. You are fulfilling your calling. Be Jesus' hands and feet and serve where you're called. Good morning, everyone. I am Teresa Terhar, and I'm a faculty member in the theater arts department. And today, I would like to share a true story with you. In the 1950s, my grandfather took a leap of faith. He gathered his family, his wife, and their five children, ages 18 through two, and boarded a boat. He was concerned at what he saw happening in the Netherlands at that time, that so many people were leaving their faith behind. 
So he went in search of a new home and hopefully a more consistent faith in the United States. They were sponsored by a church in Missouri, but that's about as much as they knew when they boarded the ocean liner for the long journey. None of them spoke English. They had no idea where they would live or what they would do to support themselves. So seniors, I offer you this story today because in many ways your story parallels that of my grandfather and his family. You probably aren't preparing to board an ocean liner, but you are preparing to take a huge leap of faith, to step out of the comfortable familiarity of school with its predictable routines. And while some of you may have plans in place, others don't. You're not quite sure right now where you will go, where you will live, what you will do, where God is calling you. My grandfather, during his 95 years on this earth, spoke often of a passage from the Bible that sustained him during the difficult years of his family's adjustment to a new life in the United States. This passage remained his constant companion right up until the day he died, surrounded by his family. And that passage is Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. And I offer it to all of you today. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. So one more piece to my story. When my grandfather and my family, my father was then 16, arrived in Jefferson City, Missouri, the church sponsoring them had prepared a lovely home. And to my family's amazement, they opened the cupboards and the refrigerator door, and the kitchen was stocked with food, more food than they had seen in a long, long time. And when they opened the refrigerator, they noticed three large cartons of what appeared to be spoiled milk. And they couldn't read English, and they had a long conversation, my father remembers, about what to do with this spoiled milk. Surely the church members wouldn't have put spoiled milk in the refrigerator. They must have bought it and not known that it would spoil so quickly. So finally, they made the decision to send my father into the backyard in the middle of the night to bury those cartons of spoiled milk because they didn't want to offend their hosts by putting them in the trash can. Well, you may have guessed what those cartons of spoiled milk actually were. The label in English on them read, cottage cheese. No one in my family could read English, and so they didn't know that. And to this day, my uncles and aunts and when they were living, my grandfather and my grandmother and my father today really don't like cottage cheese and will avoid it at all costs. That was the first of many surprises that lay in store for my father and his family. And for all of us who enter into a time of transition, whatever that might be, there will be many surprises in store for us as well. So I pray that God will help make your paths straight. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6.
Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. Thank you. My name is Brian Hoekstra, and I teach in the business department. And I have been teaching here at Dort long enough to know, or maybe to see, uh, that there's sort of a spiritual rhythm that, that happens here uh, at Dort's campus. It seems like in the fall, at the beginning of the academic year, we start here like maybe hip level or so. And then over the year, uh, we kind of grow sort of spiritually, I think, as a campus until we hit the spring and graduation. We kind of get up here about shoulder level high or so. And then it seems like every fall we kind of retreat back just a little bit to sort of hip level. And then we grow over the year and then a new year starts and it seems like the cycle sort of repeats itself. And I don't know why, why that is or or why it seems that way to me. Um, I wonder if maybe um, on Dort's campus, we, we sort of miss the seniors, right? The graduating class. And maybe they leave something of a vacuum behind that uh, it takes a little bit for sort of the next class, or the next generation to grow into, maybe. Uh, I don't know. Uh, but seniors, um, it's your last chapel and you're like a nanosecond away from graduating, right? And uh, you're, you're going to be sent from this place into the world around us. And I just want to thank you for your spiritual leadership here on campus on how you have taken us to a new place, a, a higher place uh, here this year. And I just want to thank you for that. And those of you who will be returning next fall, uh, you're going to get a promotion, right? You'll move from freshman to sophomore and sophomore to junior and junior to senior. And uh, you'll have a new position uh, on campus, maybe, maybe authority in different roles, but also in a new residence hall, that sort of a thing. And um, my call to you as you come back in the fall is don't let that retreat happen. Stand firm in the place uh, that those who have gone before you have brought us to. Hold fast to that position. Some of you have been called, right? Some of you have been commissioned uh, to be leaders on campus. And so I just ask that you step into that. Step into that and take hold of the authority and the position that God is calling you to. And if some of you are asking the question, is that me? You know, is it I? Am, Am I someone that God is calling to this place? Then the answer is yes, yes, yes. It's you. He's saying stand firm. Fight for the position that has already been gained and keep advancing. And so you may be asking the question, how? How, you know, how do we advance? What is the way up? And uh, the way up is the way down to bend our knees. Aaron talked a couple of weeks ago about the need to surrender 
And if you read the book of Matthew, John the Baptist and Jesus both open their ministries with the same word. They say, repent. I believe that God will reveal in your own heart what he is asking for uh, when you ask him, Lord, what areas do I need to surrender and what areas do I need to repent? And so my call to you uh, is to surrender, to repent, and be a servant. And as you do that, be strong and courageous. Stand firm and do not be afraid. Do not retreat. That's my prayer for you guys this next year. You guys look a lot different from up here than from where I usually sit, way down, way up there I usually sit. So, My name is Sarah Bohr. I teach in the Social Work and Criminal Justice Department. Um, very thankful to be able to share a few words with you guys this morning. What I love most about college is that it demanded faith, choosing a major, friends and roommates, dating relationships, and ultimately hoping for a job required faith and constant conversation with, with our father. These are big moments and big days. You're eager, excited, and maybe a little nervous, and all of your paths will be a little bit different. Some of you will marry and start family soon. Everything you thought was important will be blurred by the love you have for your spouse and your children. Be ready for interrupted sleep, confusing hormones, late nights, and early mornings. You might not even be employed by someone who really truly appreciates all the work you did in putting in your degree, but please remember that being a parent and um, servicing your family is one of the most important callings that you can do. Protect and love your spouse. Connect with your children emotionally, physically, and spiritually, and enjoy the journey. For some of you, God will call you to a life of short-term or maybe long-term singleness. Be brave. Embrace your ability to go where you need to go and stay when you need to stay. Offer your home and your life to service. Enjoy a life of intimacy with the Lord and wait patiently for his answers. Some of you will apply for the perfect job, but you will find yourself very disappointed when you don't get it. Be fearless in knowing that God is preparing you for something very different. Every job or position he chooses for you is for his good purpose and in his good time. Trust in that and rest in that. Some of you will continue your education and some of you will join secular classrooms. Your faith will be challenged and you'll get very good instruction in your field. Embrace the diversity. Love, learn to love your peers. Ask God how to build relationships with people that don't attend your church or walk the streets that you're on or reside in your income bracket or vote the way that you do. Some of you will buy your first home, rent your first apartment, and move to a new city. Some of your parents will really worry that you'll never come home again. You'll start new lives in new places, you'll taste new foods, and you'll hear different music. You'll meet new friends and learn about life that is different from what you've ever known. Pray hard and anticipate attacks from Satan. Find a church that challenges you and stay faithful to your Father who promises to go with you. Some of you will return home this summer and feel very confused. You'll wonder if you made the right choices in college. You'll be excited about being able to stay in your parents' insurance for a few more years and hope that somehow everyone will just forget about all those loans that you took out. Wait patiently. Trust that God will put you right where he wants you. 
Take time to rest and appreciate your family. For some of you, life at Dort is very peaceful compared to home. Some of you are returning to dysfunctional families and situations. Some of you will have to mediate conflict, make hard choices, bail people out of jail, or visit loved ones in the hospital. Some of you will continue to battle your own addictions or your own mental illness. Be honest with yourself. Seek help when you need it. Don't listen to Satan's lies that you need to be embarrassed or ashamed about what's going on or what has happened to you. God is in the business of using broken stories and broken lives for the advancement of his kingdom. Take care of each other. Truly and deeply love your neighbor. Engage in meaningful conversations. Read books. Attend trainings. Travel whenever possible. And connect with a mentor. Don't lose your faith or your heart for service. Run back when you feel yourself wander and admit your mistakes when God convicts you. He takes you back. He always will. A verse that has been close to my heart this year and that I'd like to leave with you is Zephaniah 3.17. The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you and he will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. Thank you. To be the last, I'll be to the point. I've been reading a little bit of Kuiper and a little bit of Ecclesiastes, and they seem to go together because I didn't have anything else to put together for the day. <laughs> so let me be to the point. I'm gonna, I'm gonna paraphrase Kuiper here, and I'll leave you with this quote. Kuiper is so eloquent. He puts it this way for seniors. Now get the hell out of here. That's not the whole quote. And get the hell out of there, and get the hell out of every square inch you can find, because hell doesn't belong here, right? You know, you might have heard a different translation while you're here. You know, that uh, there's not a square inch in the whole domain that our human existence, over which Christ, who is sovereign, does not cry mine. That's good. It actually works better for brochures and banners, I'll be honest. <laughs> right? But his statement is not a no-boundaries blank check here. It was intended to describe a world that has no vacancy. Every square inch is occupied, but often not by the rightful owner. Not yet. Remember, every square inch isn't just Dort speak. I'm guessing that misquoting Kuiper is popular in both heaven and hell. They do battle over how to interpret that troublesome word mine, right? Do you see what we're up against? The war doesn't look to let up soon. And you're tired, maybe particularly this week, and I'm getting older, and all indications are that God's still serious about, about completely renovating the whole works, you and I and everything else. Do you see what an ambitious project this is? Now, I'm supposed to tell you to go out and change the world this summer. I'm not going to stop you, but I do want to warn you that there is a risk of contracting a serious case of cosmic redemption anxiety disorder along the way. I've had it. I'm not being very encouraging so far, am I? Here's where Ecclesiastes steps in. You have to read Kuiper with Ecclesiastes. It begs for it. Read them together, alongside each other. It reads like this. Ecclesiastes reads something like this. Do not be over-righteous, neither be over-wise. 
great for students. Why destroy yourself? On the other hand, don't be over wicked and don't be a fool. Why die before your time? Like the fool, the wise man too must die. Or, of making books there is no end, and much study wearies the body, and dead week is an illusion. <laughs> Ecclesiastes, I wish I could read more, but I won't right now. Here's the point. Ecclesiastes can be summarized in three words. You're not God. Remind yourself every once in a while of that. You're not God. That's the best antidote for Kuyperian anxiety disorder. All the earthly wisdom of Ecclesiastes is sandwiched between this repeated phrase. Don't ever forget it when you read the book. And this is where it's paraphrased best, I think, by Calvin Sierveld. You know what two phrases? They're sandwiched at the beginning and at the end. It's this. God picks up the pieces. Isn't that beautiful? God picks up the pieces. When all is said and done, God's going to clean up. So by all means, do your best to get the hell out of here and there. And wherever God calls you, there is nothing more worthwhile than bringing light to dark places. But don't worry if it still is a mess. Ecclesiastes says study. It says work. It says laugh. It says party. Because you're not God. And he's going to pick up the pieces. That's what Kuiper says. It's all his. And actually, he's the one that paid for it, right? Blessings on this summer. Blessings wherever God leads you. Please rise and receive a blessing. So when we say go in peace, that means don't make pieces of stuff when you leave. It means like just go in peace. Brothers and sisters in Christ, what a great delight to live with you, to worship with you, to be with you, to be refined by our God together in community. May his work in you and through you never be done in this place and everywhere where you will put your feet. He is Lord. He is over you. He goes before. Go in his name. Go in his authority. You are his. Amen.